Okay, we're going to be in Acts, well, all over the book of Acts. As you see, once again, we have a fairly lengthy Scripture sheet to look at and work through in our study in God's Word today. And then we're going to wrap up with some great worship at the end of the service this morning. Lord, we pray that You would come and make Your Word sweet to our hearts. Make Your Word our rule, Your Spirit our teacher, Your greater glory our supreme concern. We do pray for these that we've mentioned today that are going through particular trials. It's possible, Lord, there's brothers and sisters uh, close to us in this very room that are going through trials as well we don't know about, but You do. And we pray that You would meet us at our points of need. And Lord, we do cry out to You again for our needy nation that You would grant us, Lord, a, uh, a peaceful election process, a clear and definitive decision by our nation's voters. And Lord, we ask that You would be merciful to our country in placing those in office who will protect and maintain freedoms and life. Thanks for hearing our prayer as we offer it in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 2. This is themes from Acts part 6. Last week, we looked at the mission of the church, the call to bear witness of Jesus to the ends of the earth, and through that witness, to establish and grow His church. And if you stop to think about that task, it may strike you as insane and impossible, especially if you can imagine being one of those early disciples there in Jerusalem, hearing what your master is expecting you to do. I just finished an audible book that, uh, that was sent to me for free. It was about the space race, the American and the Russian space race. It was an interesting book and, uh, uh, or audio presentation, I guess is what would be more fair to say. And, and in that, the uh, narrator said, men for millennia thought about going to the moon. And I thought about that for a minute. And I'm thinking, I doubt that that's really true. <laughs> they might have thought about that from 1930 on. I, I don't, but for millennia, they thought about going to the moon. I mean, even 200 years ago, the thought of getting to the moon would have seemed inconceivable to almost everybody on our planet, just like uh, the thought of uh, a device like an iPhone was inconceivable to me as little as 50 years ago. The goal of making disciples in all the nations, that's what Jesus put in front of His church. I mean, seriously? This little group of, of humble Jews armed with a message about a man who was supposedly God's son and who died as a criminal? And then and then rose from the dead, and we expect people to believe that? Even Gentiles who had no notion of a coming Messiah or a divinely inspired Bible, are they supposed to believe that? I mean, seriously? And did you notice that the world at this time was ruled by an emperor in Rome who did not take kindly to calling people to follow another king? Rome did manage to put our king to death once before, you may recall. Then there's the problem that the leaders around Judea and Jerusalem pretty much all hated the Christians and the message that they were sharing. I mean, that was a big barrier. There were also language barriers, and there were geographical barriers, and there were cultural barriers on top of the political hostility. The religious elite who acted in fear, they were a barrier, and the materialists who don't want their income stream being threatened. And oh, by the way, their audience 
the audience to whom we're sent is naturally inclined against what they were bringing to them. So what possible hope is there, was there, for success in this crazy mission Jesus has assigned his small band of followers? The answer to that vital question that we find is, uh, is found in the book of Acts, and it consists mostly of two things. One is the name of Jesus. The other is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, next time we're in Acts, we're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, the sending of the Spirit, critical theme in the book of Acts. Today, though, we focus on the name of Jesus as the secret weapon of the church. So come discover with me the theme from Acts number six, the name of Jesus. We got a video. You can listen to the rest of that at home later. Good, good stuff. Always gets me revved up. In the first century Palestine, and maybe ever since, there was a name that divided people like no other name divides people. That was the name of Jesus. There were those who heard it with scorn, others heard it with fear, some heard it with shame, others with joy and glory. Such was the name of Jesus. It represents His name, all that He is, all that He has done, all that He is doing. The New Testament speaks constantly of the name of Jesus. We read of it repeatedly in the book of Acts. So let's today, let's just celebrate the name bask in that name, glorify that name as we consider together five things in that name. Uh, that name is for us as a church. By the way, you have for the first time in a long time, I think, a message outline. If you want to follow along, write in there, whatever. Uh, it's, it's available as well as the Scripture sheet with all the Scriptures we'll be looking at. Those will be on the screen as, as well. Five things that that name is for the church. First of all, we see that the name of Jesus is the source of salvation. In the original Christian sermon in Acts 2, Peter begins by connecting the Christian gospel to its Old Testament roots. He strings together several passages of Scripture, and the last one he quotes comes from the book of the prophet Joel. Acts 2 renders it this way, verse 21, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he mentions the Lord's name again in verse 38 when he calls on folks to be baptized in that name. That's Acts 2. Now go now to Acts 4, where Peter gets to testify of Jesus to the leaders of the Jews, and he says in chapter chapter 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other, what, name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other name, by no other person, program, uh, per power, uh, the, uh, no other name can save you. That's the idea that is being conveyed there. Peter expresses the same thing, Acts chapter 10, verse 43, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You may, you may remember that uh, Paul wrote in Romans 10 and verse 13, read it out loud with me, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The name of the Lord. This is the source of salvation, and this is totally consistent with the preaching of Acts. In Acts 8, when Philip goes to Samaria to bring the gospel for the first time ever, we read this in verse 12, they believe Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. So then, what are we to understand is that calling on the name of Jesus is another way to express the initial response of a sinner to the message of salvation. It is the same as being 
are believing in Jesus, putting your faith in Him. It's the same as receiving Jesus, as following Him. And in fact, a term for Christians used often in the book of Acts is those who called on the name of the Lord. In, in Acts 9, those who met the converted Paul asked this, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name? That's how they described them. They were those who called on this name. Indeed, they did call on his name. Seven verses earlier, we read this, Acts 9, 14. He has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Paul himself, when he recounts his own story, the story of his conversion, he quotes the man who baptized him as saying this, Acts twenty two sixteen. he told me to get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. And what do you do when you wash away your sins? Calling on his name. It is into the name of Jesus that we are baptized. Baptism is meant to convey a joining with Christ, a merger with Him. Believers become one with Jesus Christ. They enter into Him. And the marriage metaphor is fitting for us at this point. When a man, <clears throat> when a woman marries a man, she becomes one with Him. She inherits His privilege and His wealth, and she takes His what? His name. She takes his name. We who love the Lord, we take His name upon ourselves, our most common expression, and we call ourselves Christians, don't we? Christians, Jesus people, and we are glad so to do because it is in that name and that name alone that salvation is found. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What else does Acts tell us about that name? It tells us that the name of Jesus is the power for healing and for miracles. We see that early on in the story. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking to the temple. They encounter a lame man who is begging there, and he's asking for silver and gold. And you know that great story of how the man got denied by the apostles in the most fantastic way. Chapter 3, verse 6, Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. Now that, that's a powerful name. Then Peter explains to the crowd that gathered after the man did walk, they gathered in astonishment. And in verse 16, he says, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. The authorities, they were very upset about this, so they brought Peter in for questioning about it. And he had another chance to explain. And here's what he said, Acts 4.10, let it be known to all of you. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. You getting the point here? There's something incredible about this name. There is power in the name of Jesus. It is stronger than sickness, stronger than birth defects, stronger than all the powers of the enemy. In Acts 16, Paul encounters a woman who is demonized, and he delivers her by ordering the demon to come out. And how did he do it? He said, demon, come out in the name of Jesus. Paul would later say that his name was the name above every name in earth and heaven. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Power to save power to heal, power over the enemy. 
Next up, we see in Acts that the name of Jesus is the church's strength to endure suffering. The strength to endure suffering. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, well, look at this fantastic account in Acts chapter 5 where we read about the apostles preaching Jesus and they also were healing in His name. And for these terrible deeds, they were arrested and dragged before the Sanhedrin where they were threatened and warned against preaching and then they were flogged. Now, flogging was not just a minor annoyance. They were whipped probably with 39 lashes. But the verse that follows the flogging says this, verse 41, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace. Isn't that great? They, they were rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace. But what made it so wonderful, <laughs> worth rejoicing over, it's the last few words. They got to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Now, man, oh, man, that is some serious joy. That is serious joy. But do you see the key to rejoicing for these guys? It is found in the fact that their persecution came for the name of Jesus, the name. Jesus had promised them this back in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He said, you'll be hated by all because of my name. The world is uh, very divided about that name. Many and powerful are those who hate it. You take that name upon yourself at considerable risk. But to the apostles and to all who truly know Jesus, that name is so wonderfully precious, so worthy that suffering for that name, it's a great honor. A great honor, they said. Acts is full of suffering for the name. In fact, when Paul was converted, when he became Paul the apostle, here is what God said about this man, Acts 9 verse 15. He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear, what? My name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now think about that. Put that verse back up if you could, Joe. Think about that. We, we, we read that and we may think, you know, Paul, he got saved. That's good. Yeah. And, and uh, man, he had a great calling to be an apostle. That's good. But boy, did he have to suffer. And we see the sufferings as a but. He got saved, but he had to suffer. He got to be an apostle, but he had to Suffer. Scripture presents it not as a but, but as an and, as an additional privilege and honor. Interesting. Paul will get to suffer for Jesus' name. Paul would later tell the Philippians that God had given them two gifts, to believe in Him and to suffer for His name. So these apostles, they found sort of a pleasure in being able, you can take it down now, for being able to lift up the name of Jesus by, by suffering gladly, graciously, faithfully, fearlessly. This approach to suffering, this caring more about the name and fame of Jesus more than about one's own prosperity and peace, it continues to inform the early believers. And, and, and brothers and sisters, it was always and all about the name. Acts 15, 26 refers to Paul and Barnabas as men who risked their lives for the name of Jesus. So much did they love their Lord. Paul said in Acts 21 and verse 13, I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, may God teach our hearts to so love that name that we too would count it an honor to suffer 
persecutions, large and small, and remember to count it all joy for the name. Fourthly, now we see in Acts how the name of Jesus, it is also the ground of the church's authority for our message. It's the ground of authority for the church's message. You see, when Ben or I or Taylor get up here and stand before you and open up the Word of God before you with honesty and accuracy, there is a witness that goes out with the Word that you won't find on any of our cable news networks. We don't deal in opinions. We speak in the name of Jesus. And that means something very significant. Barnabas in Acts chapter 9 describing the ministry of Paul, the new convert, uh, to, the, to the other church leaders in Jerusalem. He was describing Paul's ministry to the Jerusalem leaders in Jerusalem who were skeptical about Paul, knowing his past. And here, here's what he said, Acts 9, 27, Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles, described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he'd spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus, and he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Twice there, what do we read? Bold speech, bold speech, which becometh the followers of the risen Lamb. But it's speech that's bold in what? In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is confidence in the name of Jesus. There is authority in the name of Jesus. I'm reminded of young David before mighty Goliath, where he said there in 1 Samuel 17 to the Goliath, he says, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you. He didn't even mention the slingshot. That was his. (laughs) He says, I come to you in the name. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You go, David. David's son would one day write that verse that we've been learning this month. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Paul figured that that out early on. And he was able, as a result, to risk death from angry Jews to testify of Jesus' name. And remember this. This is what, it was this name that was what was shaking the world the name of Jesus. This is what was changing lives. This is what was angering many. They kept speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. In Acts 4 and 5, Peter and his men were warned against preaching. But both times when they were warned against preaching, the language used is that they could not preach anymore in this name. My friend, this name of Jesus, it reminds us of all that He is to us. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. His person, His name, His gospel, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ears. It soothes his, my sorrows, heals my wounds, and drives away my fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. It satisfies the hungry soul and gives the weary rest. Dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place. Yours is the kingdom. 
Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. We should sing that, by the way, very soon. Uh, very soon. <laughs> what have we seen today? We've seen that the, main, the name of Jesus, it is the source of salvation. The name of Jesus is the power for healing and miracles. The name of Jesus is the strength for the church's suffering. That name is the ground of authority for our message. One more thing to add. That name is the end and purpose of all that we do. That name is the end and purpose of all that we do as the Lord's people. In Acts 19, Paul is in Corinth where he stayed for two years, which that was a long time for Paul. Two years he devoted himself to evangelism and apologetics, growing the church there. God used him for miracles and he used him for healing there in Corinth. And then in verse 17, we read this. The name of the Lord, Jesus, was being magnified. Read that out loud with me. The name of the Lord, Jesus, was being magnified. I love that. Friend, there's just nothing better that could be said of a church. There's nothing better that could be said of a man or of a woman the name of Jesus is so great that in it, in its exaltation, we find our ultimate purpose. We, we live to lift up that name. We live to show it off. We live to make it famous. Wesley's great hymn ends with this line, My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors of thy name. Practically for us, that means we seek to help others discover the glory and beauty and worthiness of Jesus. We speak of Him, we extol Him, we testify of how rich we are because of Him, and we strive in our living to ensure that nothing we do eclipses or shades that glory. Romans 2, Paul said this, you who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And he says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, that is actually a quote from the Old Testament. It is what Nathan said to David when he rebuked him for his adultery. He said, the name of the Lord is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of your conduct, David. Just a couple of months back, you had another scandal by a big-name Christian leader, Jerry Falwell, Jr., the son of the great evangelist, the president of the largest Christian university in the world, resigns in shame as he and his wife provide the unbelieving world fuel for their scoffing. The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord dragged into the mud once again. God forbid 
that we should behave so. The third commandment, remember, is what? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. When you take his name upon you, when you call yourself a follower of Jesus, when you call yourself a Christian, and then by your behavior you say, ah, Jesus has not satisfied my heart. Jesus is not worthy of my obedience. That is taking his name in vain. This is tragic. The name of the Lord is tarnished by our foolishness, our indulgence, our pride, and our negligence. The goal for our lives, on the other hand, is what? May the name of the Lord be magnified by my triumphs, by my failures, by my words, by my lifestyle, by my ministry, by my praises, may your life and my life and North Park Church of Wexford, Pennsylvania be characterized by that awesome line. The name of the Lord was being magnified. Please join me to pray that this line would apply to us. And then we will sing of the beautiful name of our Savior. Father, there may be something we are not quite grasping, and we pray that you would teach us more fully about the import and relevance of the name of Jesus. But we know that name reminds us that he's a savior, that he's a king. Reminds us of all that he is to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would thrill our hearts by it and all the realities of the gospel that it represents. Oh, Lord, may that name never be taken upon our lips lightly. May it never be taken upon our lives in vain. May we never wear the name of Jesus and be representatives of Him and then drag that name through the mud. Indeed, O oh God, we pray that by our witness and by our words, the name of Jesus would be adorned and that the beauty of Christ would be represented accurately to a watching world. Lord, may we who are parents demonstrate to our children how precious that name is. May we, as brothers and sisters in this church, show forth to each other how precious and wonderful and beautiful that name is. I thank you, Lord, today for those who have gathered here to worship the name of Jesus and enduring mask and other impediments in order to do what we can to testify to ourselves and to each other that that name is above every other name. And it is our ambition in life that it be magnified by what we say and what we do. 
by what we don't say and what we don't do. Lord, in the moments of temptation, when the enemy gives us other things to live for, bring us back to this, that we are living for the magnifying of that great name, the only source of salvation, the ground of authority for our message, the power of the church for dealing with suffering, and the power for healing and miracles. We pray that in that name, you would be breaking every chain in our lives. Help us now as we sing to close the day that we would worship you with deeper appreciation of all that your name is. Let's stand and sing.